0: So it was the Premier League title race run and won. We'll be discussing that and so much more on this week's episode of the Gangapod as we also look ahead to the Champions League's return. David Wiener with you once again, joined by John Aloisi. And this week, Brett Holman joins us on the show. We can't wait to chat to Brett. We've got so much to talk about. Let's get straight into it. John, it's great to see you as ever, but uh, welcome, Brett. Great to see you for, I believe it's a Gag and Pod debut. Welcome back to Optus Sport. Great to see you. What's been going on?
1: It is my debut, so uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to be on the, on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, happy to happy to get involved. Been busy, actually. Um, the season uh, up here with the footballers has, has kicked off in, in Australia, obviously. So I'm working hard with, uh, with a little football academy up on the Sunshine Coast. So um, yeah, it's all guns blazing, and uh, and uh, and football up here is is uh, is going okay, which is great.
0: It's great to see you on the Zoom call that we're doing this podcast on. Are your players as disciplined as your dog lying behind you, who hasn't moved a muscle? <laughs> do you, just
1: did you need to check on?
0: Did check on it during the show at all?
1: I have to. Um, he listens, I think, a lot better than uh, than some of my players, definitely. <laughs> but um, no, look, it's it's great. Sometimes you have to uh, raise your voice now and then with the with the boys, but. Um, I think the dog's probably a better listener at the the moment.
0: (laughs) And John, how are you? Great to see you as ever. It's a little bit quieter this midweek podcast without uh, 10 games to review, but uh, there's no shortage of uh, things that have happened since the last time we spoke.
2: Yeah, it is quieter, but it will heat up again this weekend and then next week with the Champions League, which I can't wait to talk about. But uh, there's still a lot of football going on, Dave. We had some FA Cup games this morning, some... uh, was it Coppa Italia, that quarterfinal with Juventus and Inter Milan, a pure (laughs) Italian stalemate. And then then we had Real Madrid (laughs) finally getting a a win and, and probably easing the pressure a little bit, not too much, on Zidane.
0: We will talk about that when um, we talk about the Champions League a little bit later. And Zidzul getting a little bit upset with the media. He wants a bit more respect, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Just,
2: just um, on that, it was funny because I read something in Marca, the, the Spanish paper, and they said Zidane's usually when he comes into a press conference, it's like he's just come from yoga. He's so relaxed and he's, you know, he, he, <laughs> he feels he feels comfortable. He's happy within his own body. He yeah. said that this time he's come from a night out having a few <laughs> drinks and he's all angry. He's a bit stressed. He's a yeah. Bit it's yes, the first time they've is. seen Zidane like that for a long, long
0: time. Right. Well, What would that do to their Champions League prospect? We will talk about that a little bit later on. You mentioned the FA Cup. Manchester United got past West Ham, but they needed Scott McTominay, Scott McTominay, I should say, deep into the match, a ninety seventh seventh minute winner to get them through. Yeah, and they're going to be part of our opening discussion when we talk about the title race and the top four race and how that script has changed. Of of course, on Monday morning, we saw Manchester City make that such emphatic statement at Anfield, that 4-1 win over Liverpool. John, to you first, just, just looking ahead, what happens now with Liverpool? What happens from here? Because there's been a huge fallout from that game. But actually, what's the next step for Jurgen Klopp?
2: Well, first of all, they need to make the Champions League. They need to make top four. And that's not a sure thing because you've got other sides that are just below them, like Chelsea, that are pushing. that have got a couple of games in hand. And with Ancelotti, you think that they can push. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they've got the squad that can. You can't write off Spurs with Mourinho as well. I know they haven't been doing that great of late, but... um, you know, and West Ham, I don't think, are going to push for the Champions League. But, you know, they're there still. So, Liverpool have to make sure they make the Champions League. I don't think they're in the title race. I don't think that uh, they can actually catch up all those points against the Man City. But um, the next thing is actually preparing for next season as well with new signings. I think they need to get their signings right. Uh, and that's important because... I think he went a little bit short this year with the squad, especially at the back. It's easy in hindsight, as we know. Uh, we didn't know that they were going to get injuries, but they lost, uh, they lost Lovren um, mm. you know, during the off-season. They didn't replace with him another set of backs. So that, that, that's mm. something that they need to do, and they need to do it now. I know they signed a couple of replacements now, but I think they need to sign a bigger name replacement.
0: How big is that threat, do you reckon, Brett, to their top four place? And when you actually break it down and look at the teams that are still lurking that John mentioned, it's actually not just press hysteria. There's a real fight on their hands here.
1: It is. It is. And, and I suppose John said the, the, the right things in regards to look at the teams below with, with some really good squads. You know, I think with Ancelotti, you can't rule them out in, in, in getting a really good squad, uh, uh uh, Calvin Lewin's back scoring as well, so that'll be a, a big boost for, for Everton. You've still got Tottenham and Chelsea. Tuchel's come in and, and, and done some good things. Hudson Odoi's uh, uh, you know busy and buzzing around, and, and Mason Mount is, is on the score sheet again. So it's it's exciting in that little area in, in sort of going for that top four. And I think it's a scary time for, for Liverpool, especially this upcoming week is going to be so crucial. Huge games. Leicester to come uh, to start with uh, on the weekend, obviously Champions League backing up, but then obviously the week after against Everton, which is which is another massive game. So um, yeah, Klopp's got his uh, hands uh, uh, cut out for him because it's going to be really tough, I think, for
0: Liverpool. That's a brilliant point you make about, you know, they don't have any uh, free kicks or free or gimmies coming up to try and ease back into it. You know, you mentioned Thomas Tuchel. He couldn't have asked for probably a, a nicer introduction to English football whereas Klopp would love a little run like that right now, John. Um, can you take us through whether it was a playing experience, either of you, a playing experience or a coaching experience where, where you had to, you're in this moment and you just need to, you need something to arrest this momentum, spark a change, what does he actually do now? Because they're not in a good spot. And you'd have to argue he hasn't been in this spot at Liverpool.
2: No, look, he, he's not in a good spot. Look, you could see it coming uh, from from a while away because uh, the injuries they've had. It, look, and I know that everyone's saying, especially Roy King, saying that they're using excuses, but it, it is what it is mm. that they've lost a big player in Van Dyke. You take yeah. a, a, a central defender that communicates, that coaches out on the pitch. The in- leader. That's right. The leader out on the pitch. And also, it, 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 you're playing Henderson back there, playing Zervinia back there, takes away from their midfield. So there's a lot of things, a lot of factors there. I think what um, sometimes you just need to win ugly, um, you know, when you are going through this stage. And I think one of these games against um, Everton, especially a derby, if you win that, that can give you a real boost and the players a real boost. I mm-hmm. think that that's, uh, you know, because I remember going through stages when... You know, especially in Europe fighting relegation, Brit, you know what it's like. You're going, yes. through, you're going through like hell, really. Yeah. And then you, all you need is this one game that things go your way that uh, you get a result against a big side. You know, at Osasuna, we were losing for fun, fighting down near the bottom. And all of a sudden we play Real Madrid at home and we win 3 2, and, and the season just turns for us. And, and yes. that's sometimes all you need. I
1: think, I think exactly what John said. It's, it's, it's one of those where you almost need a game where it's a dogfight and, and where you can all you know, regroup together. And if you do get those three points, then it's almost like, OK, we're in the trenches together and, and, and we've fought together and we've actually got, got the three points and then we can kick on from there. It's like you said, when you're in such a bad you know, dip of form, it's so hard to get out of it. And you can't see um, Liverpool getting out of it anytime soon just because I don't think in regards to their top three, uh, they're, they're, they're top three with with Firmino and and, and Mane and, and Salah. I don't know if they've got that real anger, that real fight in them when they're going to go up against the derby like uh, uh, with Everton. So it's going to be interesting for me to see if they've they've really got that sort of um, you know ruthlessness in them to to come out fighting and say hey we've got to get out of this hole and 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 we've got to make a, a season of it and get into the top four.
0: So they're three points adrift of Leicester City. I mean, if there is a game to try and uh, to try spark things, it is. Well, it's a six pointer. I don't know. You're talking about a stakes of a six pointer now at third versus fourth instead of sort of a bit higher of the table where Liverpool would want it. Is that a type of game, John, that can be a catalyst? I mean, Brendan Rodgers loves these occasions. He's going to welcome Liverpool to Leicester and hope to put another sort of nail in their coffin, so to speak. Is this an occasion for them to turn their season around?
2: Yeah, definitely, because they they need to win. I, I think if if they don't, if they drop more points here, you know, you're thinking Chelsea are going to beat Newcastle, or you're pretty positive they will. Um, you know, and then you you go Man United well, will beat West Brom, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So so you then mean? then all of a sudden, Liverpool are playing catch up, and mm-hmm. uh, and when Champions League comes around, or catch up is not one thing that you want to. Doing so, I actually think that this is a game. I know it's not going to be easy because Leicester are in good form. Le- Leicester are top side. Leicester are well balanced. Brendan Rodgers—they're not just counter-attacking; they can play counter-attacking, but they also can, you know, dictate the game. And I think that uh, he's got them firing on all cylinders. So this is not going to be easy for Liverpool. I actually fear for Liverpool in this game because if they don't win and and they don't get a, a good result, a positive result. They could find themselves already this weekend out of the top four.
0: Well, that game is following the countdown to kickoff installment on Saturday night. What a way to start the weekend. So that's 10 p.m. pregame show, 11.30 p.m. Absolute blockbuster on Saturday night. Brett, do you think to get to this point, do you think Klopp's made any mistakes in the sense that there's been uh, a lot of Roy Keane said it was excuses? He does have mitigating circumstances. Yeah, COVID being one of them that everyone's had to deal with, but so many different circumstances. But do you think he's made mistakes, and are we starting to see also that expression come out of him that you think he he's feeling it a little bit for the first time here?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know it's the first time, like you said, that the the Klopp's experienced. I think this this sort of form from Liverpool, and um, and I think you even see in the in the after after game uh, uh, chats and commentary where he is feeling a bit of the pressure. He's, uh, he's biting back at some of the journalists, which is, uh, which is not really Klopp, but um, you know, I think going back on what J.A. said, it's, it's one of those where, you know, Lovren leaves, you don't feel the gap. Um, You know, you're hoping, you're hoping that, you know, your centre-backs stay fit, which they don't because obviously Van Dyke's out for the season, but then you're swapping and changing formation where you don't want Henderson um, to go back and and play centre-half. So it's, um, look, I, I think he hasn't, um, you know, strengthened his squad enough. I think um, there's a lot of chat about re-signing Will Nowdom, uh, 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 you know, letting him go, going to Barcelona halfway through the year. It's a, it's a, it's concerning for Liverpool because I think they they should have strengthened a little bit more, given the fact that they, you know, they had a, such a fantastic season last year. I think it was time
2: to strengthen. and I don't think they have. Put it this way, Brett, look, mitigating circumstances, I get it. And and I agree that, uh, you know, it, it's been unfair. All the criticism on Klopp has been very unfair uh, because, you know, it, it's one of those seasons that who would have predicted what was going to happen? I still think Liverpool with their fans at, uh, at home, them? it yeah. makes a big difference. And Klopp, Look, he plays he loves that. that. He, he yeah. gets the fans going when his team's a little bit low on confidence or yeah. low on energy. So yeah. he gets that going. But the, the mistake that he did make is definitely the centre-backs. Let's have a look at City centre-backs that they've got. Diaz, Stones, Laporte, Laporte Garcia, Aka. Yeah. They, yeah. You're talking they're about five top, top yeah. five top quality centre-backs. Whereas you, you look at uh, Liverpool at the moment, you got Gomez out, you got yeah. Van Dyke out, you got Matip, Matip. that was injury-prone anyway, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you got rid of Lovren. So yeah. you, really, you got no centre-backs and, oh. and they've signed some, but the, are they Liverpool quality?
1: I'm not no. sure yet. The panic oh, panic buys. I think panic buys because they needed to buy. And and, yeah. and like you said, Man City's got five absolute class centre-backs and, and I, when you've won the league... Uh, uh, so well last season. I think that's the first thing you have to go in uh, and go straight into the market, strengthen your squad, more depth, and 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 they haven't done that. And obviously, you can see that now on the table. they have just
2: looking at uh, maybe for next season. Yeah, I would go sign that Alaba from Bayern Munich. He's yeah. he's gonna he's gonna be on a free. There's free. Gonna talk. I'm not sure if he's already agreed with uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. They'll They'll get him They're before
0: Chelsea it. or Real Madrid get him.
2: Yeah. yeah. What what a player he is. He's he's exactly what they need in terms of that center back that can actually left footer, um, can defend forward. Also when there's space in behind, he's so quick he can get yeah. back in. Yeah. Um the, the only uh, down thing about that, do you want to play with two left sided centre backs with Van Dyke?
0: Or if you were, yeah. would you go there if you're Alaba knowing well, like is if Van Dyke and Gomez are fit next year, this is a really interesting sort of transfer mindset because they almost needed that for now for next year you're getting those two back so what is the right. priority for next year jamie Carragher did say something along the lines of center back another central midfielder and another jota type to really challenge the front three yeah is Alaba the priority is Alaba the first person they should be signing oh
2: i think a center back is the first priority yeah. I, look, I, I think Gomez is a top player. I think Van Dijk, obviously, is, is a great player. But we have to remember, after such a serious knee injury, mm. next season probably going to be an yeah. up-and-down season yeah. for him. So, yeah. I think yeah. the yeah. center back is, is a priority. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree, maybe signing another striker. Look, I, I think it's time to just change it. I think it's time. Look, and I know they're not going to go get a, um, a player like this, but how good would it be? This, this is, would be a serious statement. Um, like for like in terms of the the, the way they play in uh, Firmino and Harry Kane. Harry Kane Oof. plays that style, you know that, that yeah. uh, you know that dropping in yeah, coming deep, deep. Yeah. That, that sort of yeah. number ten role, um, can yeah. also play up top. They're not going to do it, and Harry Kane's <laughs> not going to go there. But what, yeah. uh, that's the signing. So you who need. could that be? Yeah, I, I can't see any other player that really plays that role like uh, a Harry Kane or Firmino.
1: No, there's no... there's no. If you look at sort of, you know, decent-sided players, but, you, you know, you've got Salah who's spoken out in, the, in, in recent weeks about, um, you know, his contract and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I was looking at uh, uh, Martinez at, at Inter, for example. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's that lively, goal-scoring goal yeah. sort of type of player. Even a Herving a, a Lozano at Napoli. Um, you know, I think those sort of wide players, if Salah was to leave. But, but in regards to that Firmino role... role um, top clubs at the moment, there's not many who, who would come to Liverpool, I don't think.
0: And yeah. Diogo Jota, you think given what they missed when he was out, getting him fit, a bit yeah. like Van Dyke, is going to make a big difference to them. Huge. As will Thiago actually playing in the midfield that he was signed to play in, as opposed to sort of a midfield that is a, a- a a patchwork of it with the two midfielders is meant to play with behind him as well. So that'll be very interesting to see. look, we've spoken at length about Liverpool. It's going to be fascinating. um, What happens from here? What goes on forward? Just, just one last thing on them, John, you mentioned uh, it's been unfair on club. Do you also think it's been a bit of a knee jerk or cliche kind of criticism to say, this is Dortmund all over again, Uh, because that's been the default criticism. Are there differences between that, or are we seeing three years of absolute blood, sweat, and tears sort of kind of evaporate at this point?
2: It, yeah, it, I, I think that um, it's unfair to actually say it's, it's Dortmund all over again. Dortmund have a different philosophy, don't forget. Dortmund um, sign great, talented young players and then they sell them off to bigger yeah. clubs. Now, it's it, it, sometimes it's hard to replace them or it takes a few years to actually replace them and get to that level again. With, uh, with Liverpool, if he's got the opportunity to rebuild, and we, we don't, don't forget, everyone was talking about Guardiola. Oh, it's it's Barca all over again. Oh, it's Bayern Munich all over again when they didn't do well last season. Yep. Now, you know, Man City are, are firing on the... Yeah, and they're going to win the title, what you think, with the yep. position they're in. And so he had time to rebuild. If Klopp does that again, I think if you give Klopp another year to, to get it right again, Liverpool will be up there uh, uh, fighting for titles. No problem about
0: that. All right. So we've rebounded the t- the, the, the title race into being the, the top four race the, is the focus. And uh, we, we, we've spoken through it a little bit so far, but you've got Manchester United on 45 points, Leicester City on 43 points, Liverpool on 40 points, Chelsea 39 points. Is that where you're cutting off the serious threat or are you including West Ham 39 points? You sort of alluded earlier, John, probably not. Everton 37 points. Tottenham thirty six points. I'll Game throw in hand. Aston Villa thirty five points. Arsenal thirty one points. Forget about them. Yeah, Arsenal no, no top four,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no top four. I look, they're no. playing well, but yeah. uh, you know, not always necessarily picking up the the, the points that they need to to actually no. keep on pushing for that. But I, I still think Everton, Spurs. Um, I, I don't count them out yet, and uh, and obviously Chelsea, you know, just behind. So one of the the four that are up there will drop out because I, I still think Chelsea will go uh, get into the top four.
0: You think Johnny's come close to settling on some for sort of formation, Thomas Tuchel? I mean, we know the style now is really clear, but I thought it was. Um... It was interesting how he used Timo Werner uh, on the weekend um, or whatever day it was. Who knows? I can't remember anymore where he set up the two goals. His pace was finally used a little bit more. Do you think that's a step in the right direction, a little bit of a closer sign to what he's going to land on?
2: Um, I think so. I, I think that, uh, look, I reckon he's already showed his hand in terms of at the back. You know, he's he's played Aspilicueta in every game. He's Alonso. played yeah, uh, Rudiger. Alonso, it didn't start last game, but he brought him on because he said about the, the, the height difference that uh, he needed uh, against Sheffield United just on the set pieces. But um, and, and Jorginho and, and Kovacic has really he's shown mm. that he believes in them. And then yep. I think up a little bit higher, and you know what it's like. He, he did it at, uh, at his old clubs. He will rotate, and you need to. When you've got that many games, you've got Champions League, you've got cup games, you've got uh, you know the, the the Premier League. I think he'll rotate the front three, four players. Um, but I think that uh, defensive. Diamond, you could say, in terms of the, the the what he's got at the moment, he'll keep him there.
1: Yeah, I think he'll 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 exactly what you said. I think he, he wants that stability at the back. Yeah, you know when they were leaking goals and and you know they needed to score three or four every game because they, you know they'll cop in two or three. Um, he wanted that stability, and like you said, when you've got that amount of depth up front, uh, there's so many to choose from, then he can uh, swap and change like he would have done at the at PSG, for example. So. Um, I think he's, uh, he's, on the, he's on the right track already, even even though it's, a, it's been brief.
0: What's it like uh, from, from your guys' perspectives back in your day when you're in those attacking positions and you literally cannot pick which players your manager is going to pick in your positions in those games? What, what's that like? Does that play with you? And also, you just don't know, am I going to be 10? Am I going to be 9? I yeah. I think Timo Werner described himself as an inside left 10 the well, other day, which well, I think is a 9.25. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I,
2: look, Timo team, Werner team can probably play that position. I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> because I wasn't quick enough to play that position. You had to play me through the middle <laughs> so I didn't run in the channels too much. But uh, in terms of uh, swapping and changing, I remember that when I was at Osasuna and uh, we had the Mexican coach, Javier Gider, he used to play either myself with Sava Milosevic, uh, a Serbian striker, together, or Chinga Morales and uh, and Pierre Webo. So Chinga Morales is a uh, Uruguayan uh, striker, and Pierre Webo Cameroonian striker. But we wouldn't play uh, together. The, the, no. You know, I would never play with Chinga, or I'd never play with Pierre no. Webo. It was only with yeah. Sava Milosevic. Yeah. So I was hoping either I did well or Sava did well, so I'd play the next game. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was one of those ones that the, the coach found the combination and he, he kept it, but he changed us quite a bit. Yeah, I remember
1: exactly the same, John. It was one of them. Even I think it was Louis Van Gaal was my main one because he was really focused on the tactics and actually playing towards the opposition in regards to we need to focus on them. And and it was like you said, I could only play with Graziano Pelle because yeah. he was the big he was the big target man. But then but then if if you know they were playing with two stoppers or for example only one sweeper, then I wouldn't play but Grazzi wouldn't play either. Yeah. So then, so then uh, Moussa Dembele would come in with with Hamdoui, for example. And then I was like, yeah, hopefully they don't do well, but we win, <laughs> but we win. And then we can come back in. But yeah, it was tough sometimes because, you know, you go through the week, uh, uh, you know, not knowing if you were going to start or not, which was tough.
0: Can that help you? Can that help you sort of, push for that extra yard at training or does it come to the point where you start to almost, you can almost read what the management manager is doing. Like you just said there, you knew that if you're playing against so-and-so, you knew what combination was coming up, it would almost be harder to operate.
1: Yeah. You have that idea where, where, well, players normally do. John, John would know as well. You get that feeling through the week, you know, you're going to play or not, you know, and and whether you're a starting player or not, you know, sometimes you'd, you know, you'd, you'd really want to work really hard and show the, show the manager, Hey, even though you've got your, you know, your favorites or, or for that certain tactics or that sort of, sort of formation, you know, I'm really going to push to, to, to change your mind. But bottom line is, is is sometimes the managers uh, make up their minds and, and, and that's what it is, which is difficult, but you know, it's, 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 it's all for the team sort of uh, harmony in that sense.
0: Interesting stuff.
2: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping
0: Uh, moving on to just t- touching on a few of the other results in the in the top four race. United, we, we saw they got through the FA Cup this morning. But, um, John, I mean, they're the closest to Manchester City at the moment. They're five points adrift. And you look at the drop points, including that Everton one on the weekend. Do you think we're going to look back on their season where Solskjaer keeps telling us they're not thinking about the title race and whatnot? But why didn't they? This has got to be a season of what if. Because you mentioned Liverpool are going to bounce back next season.
2: Yep. Yeah. Oh, look, I... I it's, I can understand where he's coming from. He's trying to take the pressure off. But you have to be careful when you keep on saying it out in the media as well because the players end up listening to it. And then they start to say, well, we're not really in the title race. This is what he's saying out yeah. in the yeah. public. So I think that his messaging could have been different. I think he could have actually said that, um, look, we're not thinking about the title. We're thinking about game by game. We want to win every game. Yeah. And then let's see where it takes us towards the end of the season. Whereas he's jumped out and said, no, we're, we're not in the title race. Who said we're in the title race? I, I, I find that a bit strange. I, I think that Man United this season were uh, truly in the title race because of the position they were in. and yeah. And as soon as they got up there, it was sort of like, oh, th- this is not what we we're expecting. So that's when they started dropping points. Yeah. You're right. They dropped too many easy points at home. They would have been gutted about the, the points they dropped against Everton because they deserved to win that game. But um, you know what? You, you need to pick up those points if you really want to push the Man City. So it could go a, a season of near misses again with no trophies because mm. it's not going to be easy to win, you know, FA Cup, Europa League. Yeah. The Premier League. So, uh, you know, if Solskjaer goes another year without winning, just adds to that pressure of not having any trophies in the cabinet.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. We touched on City at length last week and their, their incredible rebuild. But Brett, the, the obvious question from here is, I don't even know if it's who stops City. It might be even what stops City. Can you see <laughs> any chink in their armour? I mean, my goodness, they were just fabulous the way they, they round Liverpool up the other day
1: yeah they're ruthless and and I suppose the, the the prime example is 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 Kevin de brown uh, gets injured and he's probably the main man of man city and and they just keep rolling you know Ike gundagon has has probably had his best season goal scoring wise um you know sterling's always popping up and 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 doing what sterling does but i suppose the main you know the big thing is obviously the 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 central defense has been has been uh, uh, solidified basically. And, you know, they're stable. They're, con- they're not conceding any goals. I think they- they've only conceded one goal in, in so many hours. So, um, you know, they've been phenomenal. And-, and I don't think anybody can stop them at the moment. Probably the only ones who can is, is themselves in-, in-, in that regard in-, in not turning up and performing because they're-, they're-, they're brilliant at the
2: moment. 14 wins in a row in all comps. It's a yeah. record, along yeah. with Preston from 1891-92 <laughs> season. <laughs> and also uh, the Arsenal of 86, 87, Stephen. It, 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 Brett said it's phenomenal what they're yeah. able to do. The only thing, and, and I will say, Brett, you, you talked about their defence. I think if Diaz gets injured, Mm. Um, it could cause them a little bit of problems because uh, since he's come in, he's just shored up the defense. And and I think that uh, not only with it, and and I saw it the other day, again, his coaching out there makes a massive difference. Uh, His organization, you can see great footage on up the sport, Dave, when he scores, uh, when they scored the goal, I I can't remember which goal it was against Liverpool. I think it might've been uh, the second or third. They're attacking, and he's pointing at his defender. He's pointing, going, "Get in there, get, yeah, get yeah, mark, yeah. mark up. So he's not focused on what's happening in the final third. He's yeah. focused on his defensive responsibilities yeah. about it around him. Yeah. So I think that's made a huge difference. That's the only thing that could cause him an issue is if yeah. he goes out and he, he can't play for a long period.
0: And you know what, John, you you mentioned it a few weeks ago, maybe even months ago, to be honest with you. You said, "Let's not get carried away and doubt Pep Guardiola." And, and this is just a, this is one of the great stories of his career that yep. he's got to this moment. Don't doubt that he could rebuild them, eh? No, nah, no.
2: Nah. How can you doubt Guardiola for what he's done? You know, the, I, I remember reading stories when they were going through uh, a, a bad spell. Yeah, but he had uh, Messi at Barcelona. Yeah, he had Messi and made him into a better player than what yes. he was. Messi was good, but he made him into the world's best. The best. You know, at Bayern Munich, they say he didn't win the Champions League. Yeah, but the titles that he was winning, he was winning them by 20-odd points, yeah. you know, when he was there. So um, that Man City, don't forget two years ago, that that, that title run they went on, they got went and got 100 points. Who's done that? So, yeah. you know, you, you, how can you doubt someone like Pep? Um, and this year, yes, they probably won't break that record, but they're going to break other records. And uh, and I think they, they'll they win the title unless they get some injuries at the back.
0: We'll touch on, there's one other thing I want to talk about with City, and it's a precocious teenager that they have, but I will do that in just a moment because we're going to talk about England's incredible depth. But before we do that, I just want to touch on the next matchup that they have this weekend, which is... a it feels like the anticlimactic Pep versus Jose matchup because they're in such different moments of their time and their careers. And I got one for you, Brett, that just lobbed my way this morning in terms of all the hysteria over um, their reliance on Harry Kane. What what percentage of goals do you think Harry Kane contributes to Tottenham's overall this season? 90%. Oh, okay. it's, not,
1: <laughs> it's not that many. <laughs> I think... I would, I would say that uh, just, just as a wild guess, not knowing anything, but just, just how influential he is for that team. I think that's that's the scary thing. Uh, tell me the percentage anyway, Dave. G-
0: General it is. It's 66.7%, which, to put it in context, is the second most dominant individual contribution in Premier yeah. League history beside yeah. behind Matt Letizia when he was in his pomp at Southampton in 1994. Yeah. So it's not just appearance. That is how almost one man band Tottenham have yep. become under Harry uh, with Harry Kane under Jose Mourinho. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I th- yeah, sorry, John. It's um, it, it, I think if you see it, even the last couple of games when he when he was injured and he comes back straight in and 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 he's so influential again. You know, he scores a goal. Um, you know, I don't think he's fully fit the way he was moving, but the, uh, like you said, he has to be out there basically. Otherwise, um, you know, Tottenham's in, in in trouble because it's it's. You know, without him and Son, obviously Son needs him actually on the field because Harry Kane's the one giving him the ball. But um, if, if they're not on the pitch, especially them, then, then you know, they're, they're, they'll be struggling a, a lot this year.
2: So, so this Man City, on- Tottenham did cause Man City issues uh, yep. last time. And, uh, you know, I remember that the goal very early on that uh, Son scored. And and Harry Kane just drew the defender out, and I remember like yeah. happening. You could see the defender going to Harry Kane when he dropped in that little uh, space in that pocket, and then and Bele played a great ball over the yes. top. And and you, and you think, well, if there's any team and any coach that could cause a Jose Mourinho, yeah, he's Jose Mourinho a Pep Guardiola problems. So yeah. I can't see it happening this time, mm. but you know, I, I think Kane's Son in form, they, they could get on the score sheet. 4.30 a.m.
0: Yeah. Sunday morning, uh, that game is on. Australian in daylight time. Uh, John, how do you think Jose would be feeling right now? He he wouldn't be happy to see. The, the, the There have been bigger gaps between him and Pep when they've met since they've been in the Premier League, but it just feels like symbolically the, the, the gap between the two of them in terms of where they stand right now is as vast as it's ever been. Oh,
2: it definitely is. Look, when I look at Mourinho, I, I see Mourinho has to coach world-class players yeah. to get the results. You know, when I look at Mourinho, if you put him in an average side, yes, he might improve a little bit. Um, and and the only world-class player that I think that Tottenham have got at the moment is Harry Kane. And and then you could throw Son in there. You know, you're talking about when he was at, uh, at Inter Milan. You know, you could go right through his spine. He had world-class players in every position when he was at Chelsea with uh, John Terry at the back and then you had Lampard, you had... uh, Drogba. Drogba up top. You know, he he had that world-class spine and and also a world-class goalkeeper. At Tottenham, he hasn't got it. Mourinho needs world-class players to achieve what he, he has achieved in the past. And that's why he won't achieve it with Topman because I think he's only got, you know, how, how can you you say the players that they got at the back or in midfield are world-class? They're, 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 they're top quality, they're not world-class.
1: No. And no, you, and I
2: think, yeah. sorry, Dave, and no, I go, think go.
1: Um, if, if you look at it, you've just got to add Man United onto that list and just and, and and basically reinforce what John said. You know, they didn't have world-class, uh, world-class players at Man United when Mourinho was there and they were still in that real rebuilding phase and, and they didn't get the results. And obviously he... Uh, he got the sack eventually, but but that's purely because I think, it, and and what John said, he, he does need a super side to, to 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 win things. So he can
0: get the best out of players. Can he improve players anymore?
2: Yeah, I think he can. Well, you you look at Ndombele. I, I think he's improved him. I yeah. think he's improved uh, Son. Yeah. I, I think that uh, he's, he's definitely... Kane as well. I think. Yeah, Kane, Kane, Kane. Look, Kane was always a top. Strike in terms of his goal scoring, but I think he's yeah. added to his game in terms of the way he's been able to create chances and, and link up a little bit more than he's always been able to link up. But his yeah. his assist record this season yeah. is, is double figures. You know, Kane's never had a season like that. So I think Mourinho can improve players. I think what he he struggles to do, whereas in the past when they were defensively good. He, you know, he had the players that could actually pop up from score from different angles. At the moment, yes. he's only got two players that can score. Mm. Yeah. And he's relying on really those two.
0: Well, interesting stuff. That game, two massive games on Saturday night. Good luck getting some sleep or good luck uh, getting at, slipping away on Sunday to watch those games on demand or mini-matches or whatever you need to do. Leicester and Liverpool and Tottenham against Manchester City. But guys, as I hinted before, just on the Phil Foden question, I'm going to throw you a finish this sentence. And I'll go to you first, Brad. Yep. Because... If the Euros were tomorrow, England's best attack is, and good luck answering this. Yeah, good luck.
1: Um, Harry Kane um, as, a, as a nine. I'd probably put Harry Kane on the left and the right if we could as well because, he's, <laughs> because as we discussed, his passing has been phenomenal. But look, I think at the moment, I, I don't know how Jordan Sancho is going at Dortmund. I haven't been following him a lot. I know that he was, uh, he was uh, getting into some form. Um, I think before the winter break it, uh, uh, in in Germany, um, I'd, I'd probably still go for Kane, uh, uh, Sancho, and and, and Sterling. Um, yeah, in, on form, you know, Sterling, Sterling, you can't you can't uh, beat, you know. But then you've got the the likes of of, of Grealish and, and and Phil Foden and and I think James Madison, even at Leicester, you can't go uh, past him because I think he's doing some fantastic stuff at the moment. But those three, the top three, um, yeah, I'd still keep it nice and. Uh, Nice and simple for the time being.
0: That's where it gets interesting, John. Those other names Brett mentioned. The front three probably does pick itself. Sancho v Rashford's former side. But what do you do with Foden, Grealish, Man, etc.?
2: Well, it's funny because I had Kane, Rashford, Sterling. So I think the front three. You know, you could probably say you could throw in. You know, a Sancho in there. You could throw in. I think Grealish really can only play in, in the front three. I think you could play him out wide on the left. But then yeah. he, he's not really the, the, the type that's going to run in behind as much as Rashford. So when Kane gets the ball to fit, but Grealish is a top quality. But I think it'll be it'll be harsh for him to miss out on on starting with England. But, you know, when you look at the depth they've got, but I'll play Foden and Mount just behind as, as those, you know, two yeah. teams like, like Man City yep. play. Um, you know, Mount's been sensational this mm. season. You know, you, you thought that maybe his form might have dropped when Tucker come in. He's it, it, just... Picked up where he left yeah. off with Frank Lampard. He's, uh, yeah. you know, he's he's going to be w- one of the main players at Chelsea, and and he scores goals as well, which is important from midfield. And Foden, you know, the quality that he's got, double figures already in terms of goal scoring. Yeah. So I'll oh, just play them behind, and then you know you play with a good six that that holds and that covers, and yeah. you know whether that's uh, Declan Rice or, or whoever else in the midfield. Again, you know, who's going to miss out? Henderson? Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough a It's frightening. Fight. It's frightening. Yeah.
1: If, you, if you look at those names right now uh, and, and the depth of England England have got, if you look back at, 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 you know, a few years back when you had the Lampards and the Gerards and those sort of guys, and you see the talent that's coming through now, you know, I think England is, is, is a huge chance, especially if you look at that attacking power, um, it, it looks pretty frightening.
2: Their biggest weakness is their goalkeeper.
0: I was uh, going to say, it doesn't, yeah. what sort of matter if they don't have a goalkeeper?
2: Yeah, yeah. no, it does matter. You still need a goalkeeper. <laughs> and Dave, you should know that, yeah, being a goalkeeper yourself.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. It all counts for nothing if they don't have a goalkeeper.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, it, it's uh, frightening the depth they've got. Look, I, I'm. is is Southgate the person to lead mm. them to glory? Mm. That's the only question my, yeah. I've got because I, I think with this side, with these uh, uh, quality uh, you know, not only for, for this Euro coming up, I think for the next World Cup and for the next yes. few years, that they, they've got quality coming through, you know. And we're not even talking about Tammy Abraham, we're not even talking about uh, Calvert Lewin, Mason you know, Greenwood. Yeah, Greenwood, yeah. yeah. yeah wow. is. They've just got quality all over.
0: You got me a little bit excited for the Euros now. That's just a little bit of Mm -hmm. wet our appetite. We're going to be slipping a little bit more and more of that over the next couple of weeks and months. But after Foden's performance, where a lot of people in England are just saying, it's not a matter about if he'll be there, where do you put him in the 11 and then count from there. So um, lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Um, Another one, I'll go to you on this one, John. Um, 500 goals later, Zlatan Ibrahimović is... One of the, the...
2: Look. It's hard that you've got Messi and uh, Ronaldo, but uh, when you talk about this generation, just underneath is Ibrahimovic and probably Neymar. Um, Mm. And and I think that, uh, you know, Ibrahimovic, I remember at the start of his career, there was always the, you know, does he score enough goals? You know, the. So he wasn't a really a natural goal scorer mm. at the beginning of his career. He, he had all the quality that he, you know, that technically he was so good. He could hold up the ball. He'd do unbelievable, he would score amazing goals. Great. Yeah. Yeah. But not a lot of goals. 500 goals. That's, I, I can't even think of, you know, I, I, maybe in training I could have scored. If you add up all my training goals, I would have got close. You know, it's, uh, it's yeah. he, he just keeps on getting better and better with age as well. He's not slowing down. He's like, nine, oh, he scored six. a double. I think he scored a double on the weekend again. What he brings, what he brings, not only his goals, his leadership, he, yeah. his, his, his winning mentality. He yeah. wants to win. He's That's gone to right. Milan not just to make up numbers. We, we, we don't just want to be in the top four. We want to win. And he's pushed yeah. the rest of the group with him. I, I think yeah. he's been brilliant for him. Did, yeah, you play, phenomenal.
0: did you play against him, Brett, back in your early I years? Played,
1: I played against him when he was like what Johnny said when he was younger, in his younger days, when he was at Ajax when he first uh, came through. He scored some unbelievable goals. Um, he scored an absolute bomb uh, against us when I was at Excelsior. I think we lost to Ajax 6-1, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it was one of those typical goals outside the box. And I remember him scoring a goal. I can't even remember that. I think it was against Endelect when he played against PSG, uh, for PSG, when the balls come outside the box and he's just hit it in one time. and has gone in the top corner, similar type of goal um, uh, against us. But even then, uh, you know, that, that, yeah, I suppose he's that street sort of type of a uh, uh, kid who grew up in Malmo and and, and you know uh, w- was hard uh, uh, you know a hard upbringing and that sort of stuff. And you could almost see that from from that type of uh, a generation when he was there at Ajax, where he was he was a great footballer, but not at that peak at uh, uh, where he's where he's taken it to because he's he's like John said, five hundred goals. That's yeah, that's uh, extraordinary. Did he have that it, arrogance
0: or swagger, Brett, at that time, yeah, like, presence yeah, yeah. on the yeah. field.
1: That that arrogance, that that nasty that nastiness in a good way to to, to always uh, uh, you know want the ball, want to win, and and you know yeah in a, in a good way walk over dead bodies in in that sense to to say hey I'm going to make it to the top no matter what and 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 you saw that because you know he's had some some tough ones where he had a, you know a dream transfer to Barcelona that didn't work out mm. and and he's like okay so what I'm gonna I'm gonna do it somewhere else and and he did which is which is you know credit to, to an extraordinary player
0: sorry john no yeah.
2: no, no i remember that um, there's a few stories that i know about zlatan because uh, joey delizzer who played with him at ajax uh, mentioned that uh, him and me though had a bit of a run in uh, one session, and I don't know who threw the scissors that you know when you cut the tape off after <laughs> yeah. training, one of them threw the scissors at the other one, and you're thinking, oh. Oh. You just imagine them two going off at each yeah. other, two big boys. Yeah. But, but by, to, by the
0: way, Mito, Mito, uh, they're similar age, Mito's enjoyed it uh, the last few years a bit more than Zlatan had, which is quietly <laughs> if you look him up on uh, Google.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I remember like John Van Skip, who I uh, had as, uh, as coach, and then yeah. uh, later on worked the, under. Um, the, he, um, he was one of the assistant coaches at the time when they, they first signed him. And uh, he, he recalls that, uh, you know, the, the scouts at Ajax, you know, the, they, they scout very well in Scandinavia. And, um, and they came back with, you know, the, uh, saying that, that this is young boy at, uh, in Malmo, that he, he's, he's phenomenal. You have to go watch him play, um, you know, and he's going to cost a bit of money, but uh, it's worth going to watch. And uh, John Van Skip went to the game and saw him in the warm-up. He rang straight away He said, sign him. That was from the warm-up. That's how oh, good wow. he looked in the warm-up. So yeah. you can just imagine. And then when he was at uh, at Ajax, Brett, who did he have uh, that, that was giving him individual training? was one of the greatest strikers ever, Marco Van Busten. Yeah. So, you know, not only do you have to have that talent, you also have to have someone guiding you. And Marco Van Busten was probably one of the best strikers around in his era. So, uh, you know, nice that's too. probably helped. There, Zlatan and, early on in his career. And
1: I suppose if you look at that, uh, hearing that, you've always you've also got that in, it, 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 Italian connection, you know. Yeah. He, uh, Zlatan did so well in, in all the three big clubs with Inter, Juve, and, and now now Milan. But obviously, uh, you know, Marco having a, a Van Basten having his, his you know greatest periods when when he was at Milan. So well, uh, I suppose hearing that, it doesn't surprise me that that, that Zlatan did so well in Italy anyway.
0: Very glad we get to still watch him. I'm glad he's on Optus Sport in the Europa League, which recommences uh, at the end of next week. And speaking of Joey DeLicha, John, we do have some anecdotes coming from him about Zlatan to pay tribute to him after his uh, 500 goals. So we look forward to keep your eye out for that one on the Optus Sport platform coming up. Some great stories there as well. Hey, just talking about... adventures and stories and Australians abroad. We must talk about Matt Ryan um, because it was great to see him make his Arsenal debut for his boyhood club. Geez, some of the feels over the content that's coming out with, with Matt actually is really nice seeing how much he he's in awe of the fact that he's playing for the club he grew up yeah. for as a boy, seeing Schwartzy there uh, for him for his debut, um, you know, and the way he bounced back after that conceding within 74, 75 seconds as yeah. well. Um, first of all, to you. Guys, just to your assessment on his performance and what happens now for him. But then I also want to talk about the journey that it's taken him to get here, because it'd be great to get the perspective from you two about just how hard it is to get to the moment that Matt just lived out. So yeah, to you first, John, and then keen to hear your thoughts too, Brett.
2: Yeah, look, it, look, it's it's sensational, how he's able to, you know. Um, yeah, because we, we have to remember, Matt Ryan, uh, when he was at Valencia, his, his first real uh, major club in Europe, it didn't actually go well for him. And and Brett will, will tell you that, that the ups and downs that you have, the obstacles that get put in front of you uh, when you're overseas, uh, and, and especially being Australian, you have to prove yourself that extra bit more. And uh, and, and that, that comes with a lot of mental strength. So, you know, a lot of the time to navigate your way through, and uh, and that's why I'm so glad that, that Matty... You know, he went to England, did well. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, it was unfortunate with Brighton that uh, he, he got dropped this season. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when things don't work out somewhere, you know, something else better comes along. And that, that yeah. only goes with your self-belief. If you believe that, you know, in yourself uh, and that your quality uh, will actually help you shine through. And um, he deserves it and he deserves uh, all the praise. And let's hope that he can you know, force his way into the, the, that starting 11. I think with his performance on the weekend shows that he's up to it and yeah. he, he's up to, to actually fighting for that number one spot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think exactly what, what John said in, in a certain way where, you know, it could have been so easy after he got dropped from, from Brighton to say, okay, we're going to go somewhere else or we're going to choose a different adventure. But no, he's, he's he's you know that you know credit to him. It's he's just shown his personality to say, hey, no, I'm going to stick it out and wait for an opportunity. And and thankfully, he's got one and, and a massive club in the same league that he was playing in. Thankfully, because you know you want your players, uh, Aussie players, to be playing in the best leagues. Mm. Um, you know, a disaster, obviously, 74 seconds in, but but you know, it just shows. You know that 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 you know he's he's his path. Like you said, it wasn't it wasn't uh, easy at Valencia. You know he picked himself up straight after the first minute and had a fantastic game after that. Made some super saves and uh, and you know hopefully, like we said, he he can kick on and uh, and maybe cement a spot there because that would be uh, phenomenal for him.
0: I remember. Chatting to Matt when he was at Valencia, um, and he was really out of sight, out of mind. I didn't interview with him, and he just copped six of the best against Barcelona, yeah. and and he was speaking about the fact that he actually, you know, it was almost like a a tidal wave when when yeah. when the front three that was then Suarez, Neymar, and Messi was coming at him. It was almost like it was it was it was almost like a tidal wave. He couldn't stop, and how he yeah. it, at that age for him, he was still learning to cope with conceding a goal and then moving on. Yeah. And, and that's what I thought about this week when I saw him there to think about not only has he had to come overcome the, the obvious obstacle of being dropped at Brighton, how, what, the, what a baptism of fire you all face when you go abroad. Can you take us back to, to even just to show what an achievement this is for Matt to that moment for you guys where, you know, you had to face that, that moment of, I've got to do this to get through it or improve it or match it, get there. Um, just how big a challenge that is.
2: Yeah, look, it's a massive challenge. And, and I think that some players will shy away from it or, or stop believing in themselves. You, you're just talking about, uh, you know, Matt Ryan, he's copped uh, six of the best against Barcelona. He would have been doubting himself. He would have been going, am I good enough for this level? Yeah. You know, uh, am I really? But uh, it just proved that his his work ethic and, and his belief uh, system, you know, fighting through those uh those hard times and and that's why he was able to deal with the, the situation with Arsenal conceding after 75 seconds and then playing a good game. I remember when I first went to Italy, I went at uh, the age of 19, was in a relegation, uh, uh we battling relegation, we ended up getting relegated and and I went through a tough tough period that that I started to again, you know, yeah. you, you, you say am I am I good enough for the Serie A? Am I good enough for this level? Had to take a step backwards a little bit like what Matt did, you know. From Valencia, he took a step backwards in terms of the, the club size, um, gain your confidence again, perform, and then and then work your way back up. It, uh, you know, fortunately, through my career, I was able to work my way back up, you know, back into the Premier League, and then also uh, in, in playing in La Liga, and and that only goes with you, you know, your N- not giving up, really. Yeah. yeah because it's easy to give up. It, it's yeah. easy to say, well, you know, I, I had a chance and I, it didn't take. Or start blaming other people, or, sure. or start pointing fingers and making excuses. No, there's no excuses. You have to go away and improve and and, and fight and 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 make yourself a better player. And that's yeah. what Matt's done.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. What experiences are, are, are key, and 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 those experiences, what 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 Matt went through and what we've been through you know, uh, put you in, in, in a greater stead for, for those uh, harder obstacles getting dropped by Brighton uh, uh, through Brighton conceding after the first minute and then focusing straight away on the, on the 89 minutes to go in, in, in the game. You know, we, we, we experienced those, those, uh, uh, I've prob- I'd probably say more downs than ups. Um, it was hard because you're like John said, you are over there by yourself and you're an Australian and, and you're taking a foreigner spot. So there were so many little obstacles that, that, we had to go through, and I think you know that belief, that self-belief that you that you had to carry through your whole career was was so key. And the experiences that that you experienced were, you know, put you put you in those good good spots when you had you know some difficult times, and you could believe in yourself to say, "Hey, dust yourself off, work harder, work on your game, and 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 concentrate on on getting better."
0: We hope that we see more of that. It'll be tough because Burt Leno is going to. Potentially come back in for the, for the Premier League, but there is the Europa League, there are the Cups, and um, Arsenal are in action in the Europa League against Benfica when that resumes, and it'll be very interesting to see whether Mikel Arteta does take a Cup approach, or whether he plays Bernd Leno in both, let's see. Also fascinating to read uh, just overnight that um, Tim Cahill may have had a bit of a role in terms of, uh, you know, mentioning Matt's pedigree to Mikel Arteta, and that he was available, so it's great to see Aussies abroad sticking together. There is there, yeah. that, there is that sort of camaraderie amongst the group Look, you've got each other's backs would that, would that be right to say yeah I think so and
2: I think that uh, hopefully we can get more of that because I, I think that once you start to get uh, Australians into positions that can uh, influence decisions uh, I, I think that, that that will only help Australian football you know and, and I talk about coaches overseas I talk about even putting them in, in, you know, hopefully one day getting uh, into positions like director of football yeah, in, in yeah. certain clubs. Exactly. Because that way there, because we believe in our in our country, we believe in our footballers, it's the rest of the world don't. And, and that's always been a little bit the case, you know. The rest of the world sort of look at us as uh, second-class footballers. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm glad that Timmy did that. And, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, in the future, hopefully that uh, happens more so.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Well, mentioning Europe, perfect way to start to our final topic, which of course is the return of the Champions League. Blink, and it's back. But my goodness, a fair bit has changed since we left our predictions on the couch or on the podcast at the end of last season, last year's group stage. Uh, and uh, well, we've lost uh, we've lost Frank Lampard as a coach. We've got Liverpool, who have plunge to all sorts of different levels. Um, Maurizio Pochettino is in charge of Paris Saint-Germain. So there's a fair bit to get stuck into. I'll read through the pictures, uh, the the fixtures, I should say. And then I'm going to ask you for your top line tips. So the round of 16, to remind you, if you you, you can't remember, it's RB Leipzig against Liverpool. Now, Leipzig will be playing their home leg in Budapest because Liverpool are not allowed to go into Germany uh, because of COVID restrictions. Barcelona against Paris Saint-Germain up. Wow. Sevilla against Dortmund. Uh, Dortmund are under a fair bit of pressure domestically as well at the moment. Porto against Juventus. Atletico Madrid against Chelsea. Lazio against Bayern. Atalanta against Real Madrid. Gladbach against City. That tie is also going to be played in Budapest as well for the same reason. So much to look forward to over the next couple of weeks on Up the Sport. So just going to let you revise your tips, John. Who are your favourites now for the competition?
2: Look, I am revising a little bit because just before um, you know the break, Didi weren't in the form. They got through the groups, Lee, and uh, you know you always thought they were going to group stage. I'll say they're one of the favourites now, along with yeah. Bayern Munich. Still, I yeah. think they're the two main favourites um, that that I think will be challenging for it. You know, there's going to be someone that will come through, but they're the two that are probably in form. And that have got the strongest squads.
0: What about you, Brett?
1: I'm, uh, I'm, uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty convinced. I was going to say when he took it off me. <laughs> but, um, just, you know, just basically exactly what, you know, going on the form of, I would never have said it, uh, uh you know, because I don't think, but, um, but, you know, the way they're playing. And I think, you know, I think if he puts his foot down and they really sort of uh, get a massive lead in that Premier League, they can really focus on the Champions League as well. And, um, and the lead. That they're at they're looking so good. Bayern Munich, you can't rule out because they you know the 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 Germans are super strong. Those two are up there. I'd love to see Juventus somehow get up there, just because of uh, of, of uh, you know my crush on Pilo. But um, but but you know yeah, who knows? Those two are probably the big picks. Um, and, and I think Juventus uh, uh, would be my dark horse to to see if they could sneak something.
0: They're the dark horses. They're the favourites. Uh, which of the massive clubs is under the most pressure, John?
2: Well, you have to say Real Madrid, because if they lose to Atalanta, then uh, mm. you'd say that Zidane would be gone. Look, we, we spoke about Klopp in his interviews and press conferences. You know, Zidane, who's been so comfortable and calm, uh, most of his press conferences through his coaching career is now starting to crack. So the pressure's really showing. I think they're the club with the most pressure. And Liverpool, of course, because if Liverpool lose to Leipzig, you know that's uh, it's going to be one of those ones that, uh, especially Champions League, where they normally get through mm. the early mm. stages and get right to, to the final little bit. It, it won't be, uh, it won't go down too nicely anyway if they lose to Leipzig.
0: What do you think, Brett?
1: Um, yeah, I, I agree with John. Also looking at uh, PSG Barcelona, um, obviously Pochettino coming in, but but. Knowing PSG and and the trophy that they want, um, I think he's coming in at, at a difficult time because you know he has to win that trophy as well. Um, he's got a year and a half contract, but um, I think there'll still be heaps of pressure on him. He has to get through Barcelona um, because uh, you know that's that's the one uh, trophy that's eluded their um, their cabinet basically. So they want that trophy really bad. And, and the flip side is is Barcelona with Ronald Koeman. You know it's um, it's such a tough uh, 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 scenario that he's come into. So much, uh, so much uh, surrounding the club, president, Messi, what's going on, um, l- letting Suarez go. Um, but um, yeah, it's. I think those two. Uh, uh, that's a huge game as well.
2: well. What about with Ronald Koeman coming out and saying it's disrespectful that PSG? Have actually uh, come out saying they want Messi. He's been on front page of all the papers there in, in a PSG top. And uh, the players have come <laughs> out. De Maria's come out. Neymar's come <laughs> out. Uh, Pochettino sort of said it would be great to coach Messi. And then, uh, and then, what about when he was talking about Depay? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. months ago. And he's, he, he's on the contract. He's, he's got a short memory, hasn't well. he?
1: We spoke but, about Wijnaldum them, I think, as well. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, we touched
2: on him. So. it's it's a funny one. I actually think that uh, it's one of the games I'm looking forward to the most because of uh, not only because they're two top clubs um, and they've got two of the world's best players, probably even more than two. um, And You go that uh, the history, you know, Mm. that that, that revenge from PSG (laughs) after the Barcelona debacle. Um, yeah. when they they conceded those goals late on and then Barca went through and ended up winning that Champions League that season. So yeah. um I, I think that it's a it's a huge game for for both clubs and 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 one that I can't wait
0: to watch. This is a ridiculous tie. A ridiculous tie. I'm glad you got you on Brett to talk about a little bit more in depth about Barca because um, you mentioned Kuman uh, and his little bit of hypocrisy there, John. Rudy Garcia the Lyon coach said exactly what you just said just then. He said, <laughs> "What were you doing last year with Kuman uh, with uh, with with Memphis Depay?" Yeah. And uh, Marca in Spain, as they love to do, they've got a big splash this morning of uh, Koeman's biggest feuds. And uh, yeah. one of them was uh, with Louis van Gaal as well. Uh, two of your former managers, Brett, yep. tell
2: us. What, were you talking about the Dutch? They don't like the feud, do they, Brett? No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah. only, only behind closed
1: doors normally. Behind
0: closed doors. <laughs> Tell us about him, uh, Brett. Tell, what's he like as a manager? And, and, and are you surprised or not at the way he's uh, taken to the Barcelona job?
1: Uh, not surprised. Um, he, you know, th- this is this was his dream, uh, and and this is you know when he first started his 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 coaching career. You know, when he when he started uh, uh, with PSV, and and then he wanted to move to uh, he moved to Valencia. That, that didn't work out. But you know, his his whole dream was to to eventually coach Barcelona. I think in all these contracts where he signed at clubs, there was always a clause in there if Barcelona came. Then, um, then I could always uh, uh, be be able to chat with them, and obviously that happened. You know, he was the he was the Dutch national team coach, and obviously Barcelona came knocking, and 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 he, he could get out of his contract. Um, so many learning curves he's had uh, uh, along the way. You know, a, a disastrous uh, a time in Spain the first time round with uh, with Valencia. Um, it didn't do really well with us, unfortunately, at, at AZ. But you know, Feyenoord, he was great. Southampton, I thought he he, he brought um he brought something new into the face, even though uh, you know Pochettino was the one who sort of brought that whole whole uh, uh, vision into Southampton at, at that stage. Um, didn't do really well at Everton, um, but you know the man in regards to, to, to creating a nice atmosphere and, and, and creating that harmony and, and that will to, to move forward. I think he's a, uh, he's the right man for the job at Barcelona. I think he's doing a good job. You know, he's, he's, he's brought in some younger players, which, which has been good. And, um, you know, uh, it, like, like John said, this is a huge tie, but I think he's doing a, a good job so far.
0: What was the biggest thing you learned from him?
1: Um, you know, he used to show on, on, on the training. He was just like, you know, just put the ball down and put it in the top corner. So that was probably what I, <laughs> what I learned from him the most.
0: And well, I was like, one oh, of oh. them at that
1: stage, was he? He was, he was, he was pretty, he loved, he loved still, uh, he still loved taking free kicks. You know, he was, uh, that was, that was his, uh, that was his signature, obviously winning, uh, winning, uh, uh the, the Europa cup with, with his free kick and, and uh, for Barcelona. But um, he used to do that at training all the time. And uh, he's like yeah just do it like this and i'm like yeah i don't i don't i don't have that technique uh, boss but um no look he was he was very calm he was very calm you know he 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 spoke to the players uh, with with a lot of respect but demanded it obviously as well but um yeah i, I you know nice man uh, uh, very very personal you know he'd love to 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 speak to the players and know what's going on
2: in and out of the uh, uh, of
1: the field but um yeah i can't say any uh any bad words about him
2: I agree. I think he's done a good job at Barcelona. I, I know that there's been the, the turmoil around that club and, mm. and uh, just around the whole Messi saga. I think he's he's coped with it well. Yes, there's still at quite a distance with them going with the, uh, the La Liga title. But I, I think they've been hurt at the back with a few of the injuries they've had at the back. I think that um, he's got the best out of, um, out of Messi. You know, yeah. I, I think Messi's starting to come good again and look happy. You know, yeah. he, he looks uh, excited to play again and he, he's playing with a smile on his face and that's down to Kuman, you know, actually yeah. making sure, you know, that personal touch, I think Messi will probably enjoy, respect yeah. him as well for what he's achieved at the club of Barcelona, know his history. Um, and, and and I think that he's, he's getting the best out of quite a few players there. And uh, Frankie yeah. De Jong, Frankie De Jong, score guys. Oh yeah, you know? yeah.
1: And and like you said, I think with Messi, he's sort of given him almost like that leadership role for the younger players who are coming through. You know, he's uh, he's, he's he's like you said, he's, he's playing with a smile on his face, but he's being more, I think, more of a leader and that and that captain that that everybody expects of him. And I think Koeman's, you know, done done some really good things in defending him, coming out saying he does deserve a lot of respect with the sagas of his contract being leaked and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not all, it's not all bad at Barcelona.
0: So he was a good man manager and, uh, maybe how did his man management compare to say, uh, Louis van Gaal, who was one of the feuds that, uh, was listed in market this morning.
1: Oh, no, I would say Ronald was probably better at man management. I think, um, I think Louis, uh, Louis, I wasn't leading
0: you down anywhere with that, by the way, that was a completely innocent question.
1: I think Louis loved (laughs) Louis loved a bit of confrontation, to be honest. So, um, it was, um, it, they were both, they were both exciting to work for, put it that way.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Jeez. Um, huge stakes for PSG, as we mentioned. And just to touch on one as well, John, um, you mentioned obviously buy-in as well. Before we get to the Champions League, they're going to be in the Club World Cup final on Friday on Optus Sport, 4.50 a.m. kickoff Australian Eastern Daylight Time against Tigres from Mexico. A bit of an upset there as well. Um, we talking about uh, sort of, the, the the stakes and the prizes at play um massive opportunity for in here too uh to continue their their utter domination that they've had in in recent months
2: yeah look, massive opportunity you, you think they'll beat tigres and and get through and and win the club world cup and uh you know i'll put money on Lewandowski scoring again he scored two <laughs> in the semi-final you know, how can you stop him from scoring well, well everyone talks about uh you know, Zlatan scoring all these goals with uh, Lewandowski. What, what, a, what a striker he is. We spoke about it last time, I think I was on, Dave, where I um, hold him as a striker in regard. I think he's the best striker. I mean, you, you can't say he's like Ronaldo. You can't say he's like Messi. As a number nine, he's yeah. the best striker at the moment in the world. And uh, I just love the way he goes about it at Bayern Munich, who you think that not only will they win the Club World Cup, but they should get through their group stage quite comfortably against Lazio.
0: Yeah, yep. so much to look forward to in the Champions League. We'll have the matchday gag and pods back every match day when they come up. Um, so much to to pour through then and there. Um, a lot to happen between now and the first games as well. We've got a full round of fixtures coming up as well. But um, couldn't help but talk a little bit in depth about Barcelona, given your experiences, Brett, there with Ronald Koeman, and the fact that that is one heck of a tasty game coming up next week. And the beauty is, guys, they're all at 7 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 6 a.m. for you Queenslanders up there, but that's not bad as well, given we've had some free <laughs> kickoffs in the past to, to cope with. Now, Europa League on Friday, by the way, um, and I, I just want to get some of your favorite stories from uh, the globe-trotting adventures that the Europa League throws up And uh, before we get some predictions as well, because yeah. we've got some pretty tasty matches coming up and some pretty tasty venues as well. Brett, <sharp> tell us about life on the road in the Europa League because you, you had fair bit of experience there uh, in your time.
1: Yeah, we we uh, we were lucky with uh, with AZ uh, uh, playing um, playing a lot of Europa League games. Um, amazing run. We had a super run um, uh, one year um, after we actually were champions at AZ. So we 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 didn't we we qualified for Champions League, didn't get through. So we got through to the Europa League um, and had a fantastic run. Uh, beat Anderlecht, uh beat Udinese, who was uh, who was in a, a, a great lot of form there with with Di Natale, who was a. Uh, who was almost the striker coach a captain you, you you could call it everything but um unfortunately we went to the Mistaya and uh, and 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 lost even though we won at home against uh, Valencia in the quarterfinals but um you know that was a dream run for 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 a small club still at that time being AZ Alkmaar but you know i think our our biggest victory i would say was um you know playing away at uh, Udinese you know we were We were 2-0 up at home. Uh, We went away. Um, We conceded three minutes in. Di Natale scored a penalty and a red card. So we played um, with 10 men for 87 minutes. Um, And we ended up drawing 1-1 and going through. I remember the Italians going absolutely berserk because they lost to a small little Dutch club. But, um, you know, fantastic, like you said, fantastic... um, uh, how would you say atmospheres in regards to the to, to the different type of stadiums, different type of cultures, and 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 countries that, that that you can go around, and and you know that was a that was a fantastic experience what we had then, and, and it was a great run. So um yeah, that stuck by me, that's for sure.
0: It's a really quirky competition. Those Fridays, uh, Friday mornings, obviously in Australia, Thursday nights over there. Uh, a real adventure if you're up for a bit of action in the morning. And coming up uh, next week, you got Real associate against Manchester United. Um, you've got AC Milan against Red Belgrade. You've got Leicester City going to Slavia Prague. You've got Braga against Roma. I'm not going to read through all the fixtures, but there's some really tasty matchups in there. Uh, of course, Tottenham go to Wolfsburger. Jose Mourinho will be absolutely open. You can win this competition and prove a point and get Tottenham back into the Champions League. Steven Gerrard's Rangers go to Royal Antwerp um, as well. I'm um, going through the list here, through the glut of fixtures. Lille against Ajax, Benfica against Arsenal. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to, guys. Do you have a, a crystal ball out to, for a favourite to to win this competition, or maybe a finalist? Uh, if you know, not knowing how the draw is going to work, but you know, who you think might meet in the final.
2: Can I pick five clubs, Dave? Because at the moment <laughs> it's it's too hard. It's a not. good competition. Yeah. It's a it good is, league. It is. It, yes, it, it is a good comp. And, and look, I look at uh, an advantage for Man United is playing Real Sociedad outside of Spain. Mm-hmm. So because Real Sociedad, I've been watching lately, and, and they're a great side. They they put they, yeah. you know, they press for long periods. They they can put you under a lot of pressure uh, without the ball. But then when with the ball, they've got good players going forward. Everyone knows about David Silva. Um, but um, so that's going to be a tough matchup for for Man United. I still think they'll have enough to get through. You think Spurs will get? So the English sides Arsenal, Man United, Spurs. You think they're going to go through deep into the tournament? And Milan and because uh, they're doing so well in Serie A, but will yeah. their priorities be mm. you know winning this or winning the Serie A? That, that's where
0: yeah.
2: I'm, I'm unsure. Whereas you, you still think Man United, Spurs, and Arsenal, this for them is an opportunity of winning a trophy. So yeah. they're going to put all their eggs into this basket, I think. And yeah. and Ajax, Brett. I think Ajax, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think Ajax did well in, in think... the Champions League. I think that they were unlucky not to get through their group. I think that yeah. they could go quite deep into the tournament as well.
1: Yeah, super disappointed. I think Ajax, obviously, not after last year and, and, and the performances they put in, in, in the Champions League that they didn't actually go through to the... To the group phase of Champions League, so I think they'll uh, they want to put their best foot forward. But against Lille, mm. Lille is uh, Lille is in some fantastic fantastic form. I think they're second or third. Um, yeah. Don't quote me on it, but um, you know that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. And 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 you know, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably almost my match of the, of the group, uh, just given those two um, you know top sides.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair shout. Well, I've really fancied Real Sociedad against Manchester United because I want to see David Silva back against uh, his yep. old Manchester rivals. But in terms of actually, yeah, re- another even matchup, I think you're absolutely right there. It's, that's a that, that's a lot of football to watch simultaneously. I'm not sure I can even cope with that many games on, on, on at once on Friday morning, but we'll, we'll give it a lash, guys. We will give it a lash. Gents, we've talked about a lot today. It's been great to have you on. Brett, and uh, I'm going to no round us off now so I don't keep you for another couple of hours because you got better things to do than chatting <laughs> to me all morning. But we're just going to quickly run through the Premier League fixtures that are coming up your way if you're if you're listening before the Champions League. And, of course, we mentioned Leicester against Liverpool and Manchester City against Tottenham. But, of course, Saturday night will include Crystal Palace against Burnley, Brighton against Aston Villa. Uh, that's a 7 a.m. kickoff for Brighton against Aston Villa to round out the morning. Sunday night, Southampton against Wolves at 11 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. West Brom against Manchester United, 1 a.m. Arsenal against Leeds, 3.30 a.m., entertainment plus in that one. And then you start your working week, 6 a.m., with Everton against Fulham. Tuesday, just to bridge the gap between the Premier League and the Champions League, because, you know, what would Tuesday be without a doubleheader of football to get you ready? And it's West Ham against Sheffield United at five, and Chelsea against Newcastle at seven. Just a final word out of those games. Uh, Anything that takes your fancy there, guys?
2: I don't think you can go past with the, the Leicester Liverpool, what it means to both sides in yeah. in terms of the Champions League race and Man City Spurs, Jose against Pep again, um, and and then again that's that's also you know the title race. You know if if Jose can get one over Pep again, um, he hasn't for a while. Well, he did last game against them. Then that, that opens it up again for the rest of the, the the chasing pack. So I'm looking forward to those two games the most.
0: Do it for the neutral yeah. Jose. Come on. Do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Bruce? Make it
2: exciting.
1: Make it exciting. Um, yeah. Look, Brendan Rogers uh, uh, up against his old team. Um, uh, Leicester in some super form. You know, James Madison is 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 on fire, and I'm really liking him at the moment. Liverpool is uh, is uh, is uh, I think uh, you know a little bit shaky. So um, it's going to be a huge game. That's the that's the big one I'm looking forward to. And. I'm almost even going for a West Brom with Sam Allardyce upset at uh, with uh, with Man United, so um, that, Ooh, I think that could be sure? something as well. Are yeah, I'm, sure? I'm going for it. Yeah. I don't the advice is a uh, is not. What about bad, his so.
0: What about his comment the other day? Yeah, yeah, let's end with that. Let's end with that. You got you got that one in front of you, John. <laughs> no, I haven't got it in front I'm of me. Just tell it. me again. <laughs> I'm going to find it to make sure I don't misquote him because it does. It makes so little sense that I could very easily do that. We've got to start winning games, and we don't do that by keeping on losing. <laughs> that go. is some quote. That's <laughs> not bad. I'm With talking, those that's
1: definitely for a relegation battle,
0: is <laughs> <Yeah>. With <laughs> those sage words, we will end this week's podcast. No worries, gents. No thanks, worries. thanks so much for your time, John Brett. Great to see you. We'll, we'll do it all again soon uh, if 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 you come back and join us, Brett.
1: It was great. Thanks, thanks, awesome,
0: for awesome. And for everyone out there, as ever, thanks for listening. And until the next game pod, the match day edition, the Champions League match day edition of the game pod. Enjoy your football.